Good morning. So, uh, you may know it's Black Friday, but did you know that it's also the 333rd day of the year, so maybe triply lucky. We're back in Derek Munn's office to discuss all things policy and public affairs. All of the Westminster election manifestos have been published. Derek, I assume this means you've been busy. Uh, yes, and the whole policy team have been analysing what's in all of the different manifestos. Actually, uh, because the politicians are away trying to get re-elected, some of the interactive stuff is currently being done by our members. So our role there has been obviously mm -hmm. to provide the material members are using, but actually we're starting to get feedback from candidates from the different parties, um, either supporting or asking for more information in response to what members are doing. So A, please keep it up until election day, but B, that's where some of the busyness comes in. That's fabulous to hear. Great, thanks. Um, I wonder if you can start by telling me a bit more about the Conservative Manifesto, please. Yes, I mean, we'll start with the Conservatives because um, if the polls are to be believed, it'll either be a Conservative majority or they'll be the largest party. Um, and it's interesting because for a party that's in government, there's always, to some extent, a sense of continuity. The first thing we do, obviously, is go in search of the fabled words allied health professions, which do feature, which is a first for the Conservative Manifesto. Interestingly, they feature in the context of NHS staff coming from abroad, in the tourist view, post-Brexit. So they talk about introducing an NHS visa, and they say doctors, nurses and allied health professionals using those words will be eligible. So that's interesting. Um, their headline pledges go back to more familiar territory, 50,000 nurses. I mean, this is something I know from my own time in politics, it's very easy just to reach for the, the nursing numbers pledge mm -hmm. because it's simple, it's a soundbite. As we know, it's not the way to do NHS workforce planning. And you'll have seen that there's already been some unravelling of what that 50,000 extra nurses really means. Um, other things on the health side from the Tories, um, we're pleased to see more research in dementia, we're pleased to see money being promised for community settings for learning disability and autism, mm -hmm. these are plainly good things. Um, on the education side, it looks good when it says 780 million to support special educational needs, then you realise that that's a re-announcement of something that was already announced in August. Okay. So it's not actually new at all, it's just a restatement of an existing government pledge. Then there's a lot in the Tory manifesto about school exclusion and alternative provision. The language is pretty punitive. Um, it's pretty much how do we get these kids out of schools and away from decent kids, if you know what I mean. Um, a national disability strategy for disabled people, which is an interesting one, and obviously with that to come to pass, we'd want to make sure the communication disability was fully part of whatever's mm -hmm. done there. Okay, that's fantastic. A great summary, thank you. Um, I wonder what, what are the sort of headline things from the Labour manifesto, please? Um, I heard, I think it was Laura Koonsberg from the BBC talking about the, the way to get your head around the spending pledges is... Actually, the Lib Dems are, are being super sensible and not promising that much. They said the way to think about it in terms of magnitude is, you know, if somebody offered you tens of pounds, that would be good. If somebody offered you hundreds of pounds, that would be good. And that's broadly it. The Conservatives are promising tens of pounds and Labour's promising hundreds of mm -hmm. pounds. And that's the scale of magnitude difference. Um, but it can be get hard to get your head around as you read through... 1.6 billion for new standards on mental health, 845 million for, for CAMS, and everything in, no, a billion, a billion more for public health. 
Um, so all the way through, you've just got these enormous numbers in the Labour Manifesto, mm-hmm. and you have to try and work out what they might mean in practice. Um, in terms of the, the allied health professionals game, we're pretty pleased that, again, whatever you think of the policy, the pledge around reintroducing a training bursary specifically says nurses, midwives, allied health professionals. Mm-hmm. So the wording is exactly as we would wish on that. Uh, also, and obviously we're talking about England for the most part with all of this, Labour very clear that they would abolish the 2012 Health and Social Care Act. Mm-hmm. So another round of reorganisation of the health system in England were, were Labour to have a majority. And actually, I'll come back to that when, when we talk about the SNP. Um, so a lot of money in there for mental health. Um, turning to the education side, there's um, a lot of stuff around reversing cuts to Sure Start, um, Sure Start centres coming back, which is which is interesting, um, and then a whole area around care, which comes up in all of the manifestos. I mean, a couple of other things to say on Labour. They've got a thing around a child health strategy, but actually tucked away in the Social Security section is something that we called for in the Burkow 10 years on, which is a cross-government strategy. They're calling it a national strategy for childhood. Mm-hmm. But this is this was our number one ask in Burkow 10, and we're delighted to see that it's in the Labour manifesto. Clearly, it would only happen if Labour were in government. Mm-hmm. That's great to hear. OK, thanks. Um, so what about all the other parties? Are there headlines there? <laughs> to, to talk briefly, um, the Lib Dems, as I say, pretty sensible, actually, but they are saying one pence on income tax ring fence for health and social care, which interestingly is what a policy that Gordon Brown first used in 2001 and actually led to the big expansion in NHS funding between 2001 and 2010. So it's interesting that they've gone back to the classics on that Mm -hmm. one. Um, 11 billion for mental health on the, they talk, the physios have done well, there's, there's talk around physiotherapists. A lot of talk around physiotherapists and other professionals in the Lib Dem one, so we'll have to come in with badges that say other professionals. Um, I think that's the, I think those are probably the big ones that I would pick out on the Lib Dem side. I think that if we look briefly at the SNP, because the SNP might well be part of a, some kind of support arrangement if it were, if it were with the Labour Party, um, they have specifically said that they would support removes to repeal the Health and Social Care Act. So that's important because the SNP don't normally vote on English matters, Mm -hmm. but they've specifically put in a line saying they would support Labour in repealing the Health and Social Care Act in England, Mm -hmm. so that's significant. Um, They've also, and this is an interesting one, per capita spending on the NHS is higher in Scotland than in England, because Scotland has a higher budget per person than England does. The SNP have said that they would expect any government they were supporting to raise English health spending to the level of Scottish health spending. But of course, that, because of what are called the Barnet formula consequentials, would then further increase the amount of money that went to Scotland for health. So actually, by raising England to the Scottish level, mm-hmm. you'd then have to hand over more money which would put Scotland ahead again. So that's an interesting one. Can you just explain to me about the Barnet formulas? Please? Certainly. This goes right back to the 1970s, and it's the way in which money is allocated around four countries of the UK and essentially if there's an increase in public spending in England a defined percentage of that amount 
is added on to the money handed over to Scotland. Ah. And that's called the Barnet formula. Okay, thank you. Um, And lastly, just on Plaid Cymru, uh, people don't necessarily realise, I don't think, that justice is not completely devolved to the Welsh Assembly Government yet. Some of it's still dealt with by Westminster. Mm -hmm. So it's relevant that that Plaid are particularly focused on what they call creating a Welsh justice system. And we keep an eye on that. I'm also going to take a look, when I have a moment, at what's in the Democratic Unionist Manifesto, because it's still not impossible that the DUP may have some role to play. Fantastic. That's a great um, roundup of what's going on. Also, there's been a lot of buzz amongst colleagues around public affairs too. Um, can you give me a flavour of what's been happening here? Yes, I mean, th- th- things carry on. We inter- Integrated care systems, the, the latest iteration of uh, NHS reform in England, we were told that all 44 needed to submit their interim plans by November. So we've been waiting, poised, to mm-hmm. read these 44 integrated care system plans. They haven't appeared. Um, and it's very interesting because and the NHS said this is what's going to happen. Maybe they'd gone into NHS England and not been published. Mm-hmm. But you know, we, we had set time aside to read 44 integrated care system plans in November and they, they ain't there. Okay. So that's interesting to find out what's going on with all of that. Other stuff which just carries on, as you would expect, so there was a meeting of the Public Health England Strategy Board this week that we were there, working about what we do next on our work in public health. We are working with members to prepare our response to the reform of the Early Years Foundation stage. So these things just go on in the background, regardless of the political process. Um, After this recording, I'm about to go downstairs and chair a webinar on the implementation of apprenticeships which we've worked on, and we've been pleased this week to publish our new fact sheet on the role of speech and language therapy in social, educational and mental health. Fantastic. You have been really busy on your team as well. Thank you, Derek. I'm sure we'll meet again soon, but thank you for your time today. Thank you.